Hello everyone, welcome to the BoulderCast Podcast. This is episode 2. My name is Ben. The other host, Annie, couldn't be here today, but luckily we got two great replacements. Back for episode 2 is Joseph. Woo! And Matt Steiner. Hey everyone. Yep, so we're all here. Uh, Andy couldn't make it. He's back visiting his family in St. Louis this weekend, so he's a little busy going to Cardinals games. We miss him greatly. Yeah, he's missing out on this rain. Great weather, too. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, so we got Steiner here. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little about, tell us a little about yourself, man. So, uh, in case you didn't know, my name is... Matthew Steiner. Most people around town call me Steiner or Stein. I uh, graduated nice. from the University of South Alabama with a degree in meteorology. And South Alabama is a is a program that specializes in um, in operational meteorology. So they they do a lot of forecasting. They train they train students how to be mm-hmm. weather forecasters and work at the National Weather Service. Okay. So Really? Yeah. So it, is, that, is that a prestigious meteorology school? Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. It's actually regarded as a top ten undergraduate program in the country. Wow. So wow. it's it, it has a it has a really good reputation, especially in the that. southeast. So you know, it's good place. I Spent most of my life in Alabama over yeah. over twenty years. A lot of good weather, a lot of good tropical weather. Okay. Some severe weather as well. <laughs> so yeah, good times. Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane yeah, Ivan. Yeah. Okay. Few few winter storms, few and far between. So. What's your craziest Alabama weather story? Probably the Hurricane Ivan. Really? Not Katrina? Oh no no. Is that I, for- the eye was further away? So, Ivan, we were hit by the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So. And what time was that? Mobile? It it was across the bay from Mobile. So, Mo- Mobile has is in Mobile County, and I was in Baldwin County, which is east of Mobile Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, essentially, the eye went over Baldwin County, and that, so, essentially, that's where the strongest of winds occurred. Right, right mm-hmm. along the northern eye wall and the and the northeastern eye wall, and mm. we were pretty much a direct hit there, and it was pretty crazy. It occurred at about two thirty in the morning, and then you had that that calmness in the air due to the mm-hmm. eye. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty surreal. And then after that, I went to bed because I I knew I was going to be okay. But mm. for a little while, I was afraid the house was going to go down. <laughs> wow. And then afterwards, we we uh, we wake up that next day, and the you know we we saw we surveyed the damage, and there were tons of trees all over the place, oak trees, twigs, yeah. you name it. Power lines were down in the on the on the streets. So yeah, not a good thing. Definitely not. That's pretty crazy. That's way crazier than my experience with Hurricane Ivan. <laughs> okay. Where this were you? Tropical <laughs> Depression, Western Pennsylvania. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. We got like seven inches of rain. Oh okay. And like forty mile hour winds, but there was a tornado up there as well. I thought. I think there was. That wasn't in my town. I just remember the rain. And there was like these three trees fell down in my yard. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> like there was super so much rain, it was just super saturated, and just the trees were. Just... 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Got destroyed. I remember sure. my friend was o- my friend was over, and he was I don't know what we were doing, but he had his car parked in my yard like during oh. the storm, and then like he was like, all right, I gotta go. It was like the next morning he left, and then like not that long this, later, this tree fell like right where his car was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, after he left. Wow. It's pretty cool. But yeah, seven inches of rain. Well, it's pretty good. Ivan was a pretty crazy storm. Yeah. If you uh, if you recall, it made. Had a long life through the Caribbean, Gulf of Mexico, made landfall in my home county, and then made its way through the Appalachians and mm-hmm. into Pennsylvania, then moved offshore, and then moved back south, yeah. <laughs> across Florida, the peninsula, back into the Gulf of Mexico and redeveloped as a tropical storm, and made landfall in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. So it's actually regarded as having one of the longest lifespans amongst tropical cyclones in, since we've been recording in the tropical named? Atlantic. Like, was it named in the Caribbean? or way It was named, if I, if I remember correctly, in the northern Atlantic. Okay. Well, way before, out there. Before it entered the Caribbean. Wow. It's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, it was definitely a... Wow. I think it was a five for a short period of time before it did weaken... I think because it was entering into some cooler waters, but definitely a very intense storm. Amazing, good yeah. story. Mm-hmm. So, would you but, say tropical weather is your specialty? Yeah, probably one of your more, favorite things. Probably more so than others. I mean, okay. we got we got snow so infrequently down there that. Yeah. So I, the first time I ever saw snow was 1992, storm of the not, sorry 93, storm of the century. In March. Yep, I was there for that. So, yeah, you, you were on the bad end. 40-some inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania. Compared to the two that we got, and we thought that was a lot. Oh, well, two inches? Yeah. But it, on the beach, though, <laughs> right, and stuff? No, no. Two inches in Baldwin County, okay. in Mobile County as well. Wow. So we... Two inches. That was a lot for shore. us. Yeah, that's a lot. Considering. But, so, we got, so we got snow four years after that. And then we got a dusting of snow four years after that. And so in my young weather compassionate life, I was convinced that it would snow in southern Alabama every four years. Hmm. So Hmm. the four years later, when I was expecting it to snow again, it didn't snow. That was a pretty devastating devastating moment in my life. Oh, come on. No, it was. You survived. You survived. You're fine. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I understand weather a lot more than I did back then, but at the time, I was devastated. Yeah. How could you not? I mean, you're... <sighs> okay, okay. You're an, okay. Asp- you're an aspiring mm-hmm. weatherman. You grow up watching the Weather Channel. Yeah. Or, or some other source. And, and you, you, know, you, just, you just love it. You're immersed into it. And then you mm-hmm. are convinced that it's going to happen a certain way. And then when it doesn't, you know, that's... When you're when you're a kid, that's not good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, welcome to the show, Matt. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for stepping having me in. On. Yeah. Thanks for stepping in, replacing Andy this evening. Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, tropical weather later on in the show. Yeah, you can fill us in on what's going to happen this year. Yeah, what the forecast is for sure. All right. So. Like our usual podcast, we'll start with talking about what's been going on in the last week. It's been pretty rainy in Boulder. Oh, man, it's been rainy. Yeah. Received almost four and a half inches of rain in the past week over Boulder. So that's 
well over the monthly average for for the month of May here. So that's that's true. And we're only halfway through. So who knows what we could get? And we got snow last weekend. Yes, we had that big storm last weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, big storm, big quote. <laughs> Pretty big, man. We yeah. Got over an inch Fair and a half of rain, almost two inches yeah. of rain. Fair enough. See how high the Boulder Creek was? Yep. You guys yeah, that, that's true, yeah. Like, the creek still by. closed in certain underpasses. Yeah. The Boulder Creek Path. Mm-hmm. That's it's pretty sure. hard to even bike it anymore. <laughs> it's, cra- it's, cra- it's crazy to see how, you know, w- right along the Front Range, we'll, we'll receive rain, snow mixes, and then out in the Eastern Plains, they're getting severe weather. Yeah, that's that's what happened on Saturday, right? Yeah. Or Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Saturday yep. afternoon. Yep. So, yeah, there was how many tornadoes in eastern Colorado? I heard from the one storm that mm. a bunch of my bunch of my friends were chasing. This one storm produced four tornadoes mm-hmm. at different moments of the storm's lifespan. So, yeah, so they were following the storm around. Yeah, yeah, they were chasing. Yeah. And then there was a couple storm tornado producing cells. That was yeah. way out east of Lyman. Yeah, I think there were like mm-hmm. 15, 20 of them. Yeah. So nothing in, nothing in the Denver area. No, no not really. At least the immediate area. Yeah. Definitely nothing for Boulder County. Certainly, well... <laughs> not really. We'll probably expect maybe a tornado or two for Denver County and Adams County mm-hmm. later on this month and into June. So. Yeah. Mm. Probably, you know. It's a good chance. Had a couple last year. Yeah. Moved through the downtown area. Yeah, I remember that one. Couple of those. It's getting that time of year. Yeah, severe weather season. So, what kind of totals do we have from last storm? So, everyone was kind of interested about the snow because we had such extensive foliage. Right. So there was a lot of power outages. Yeah. Not as many as expected, actually. But actually, my I don't know so what I, was. so I was in Parker on Saturday, mm. and so we we got about eight inches of snow, and our na- and our wow. next door neighbor actually had one of her one of her tree limbs snap as mm. a result of the mm-hmm. heavy snowfall. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty interesting to see wow. firsthand. Yeah. I seen that like four years ago in Boulder. There was an October storm. I think we got seven or eight inches or ten inches. I don't know. It was a lot. But it wasn't as bad this time. But, but Parker, it, yeah. Yeah, but it falls over such <clears throat> a short period of time that That's you know true. when it accumulates and, you know, if you if you own that you own that tree and you don't maintenance it shake that snow off and it's just gonna continue accumulating to the point to where the tree can't handle it anymore yeah true you know typically boulder is the place on the plains that gets the most snow almost Mm -hmm. anywhere in the denver metro area boulder usually you know has the most snow okay so what do you so what happened there you think well what's the between this made this last one unique well, you guys? <laughs> in this in this storm system, spe- especially into the evening hour, we had we had this heavy snow band move over the over the Palmer Divide and seemed to sit over that general area. And mm-hmm, when yeah. it and when it did, se- seemed to intensify. And so that tells me that there there was some orographic lifting involved that may have intensified the snowfall a little bit as it as it moved over. So. And, so, and sure enough, that's where we saw some of our heaviest snowfall totals. Yeah. 
right along the, the eastern part of Denver and southeast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Towards where right. you were in Parker, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See, so the biggest numbers I saw were 11 inches, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was near Aurora. Um, but yeah, there was just this heavy band that set up. Smart level forcing. Yep. And it actually wasn't as much upslope as we, you know, typically see from snowstorms. Right. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of late in the year. You know, Boulder pretty much kind of got, you know, shafted. So they were on the low end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a couple hours of decently heavy snow, but yeah. then, you know, uh-huh. pretty much switched to downslope pretty quick. And, yeah, so I did see a lot of trees down, though. Old limbs, at least, in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Not like a crazy amount, but noticeable along the bike paths. You can see where there was trees that fell and they cut up. Mm-hmm. And, like, branches are down the Right. But... Nothing too crazy. My power didn't go out. How about you guys? No. I mean, oh, no. We're almost neighbors. <laughs> yep. Me and Joseph, but we're, probably on, we're probably on the same power circuit. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. But Westminster was good. <laughs> we were fine. Yeah. Parker was as well. Yeah. So, we recorded the podcast, the last podcast, episode one, two weeks ago. Yes. And we knew it would be an active pattern going through May, but I don't think any of us expected this active, right? No. Not at all. No, we didn't think we'd have four yeah. and a half inches of rain by the middle of the month. I mean, we knew it would be probably above average, but wow, it's been a lot. Yeah. Definitely. So what's the average? I don't know. Probably about this point in May, we should have one and a half inches. But for the okay. month, it's three inches. So Okay. So yeah. we're already more than 50% more than a month more above average than the entire month mm-hmm. we got a lot more to go yeah we do and it appears we're still gonna see an active pattern for the at least for the next week that is true and so i guess that so what happened this last week so we had that big storm last weekend so what's been going on this week so monday was pretty dry right monday monday was dry and then, and then Tuesday we saw we saw some isolated thunderstorms form off the form coming off the flat irons, yeah. move, moving over the plains. That's true. Um, yeah. What day we got? We got a really good, pretty decent storm. I forget what day. I guess it was Wednesday, probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Wednesday a little yeah. bit as well. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday as well. Yeah. Yes. So Wednesday. Was the day I got trapped in rain when I was biking. Oh no! Oh, it was bad. So as soon as I left work, and you didn't know that you couldn't forecast that. Come on, man! I just really didn't think to look. Okay. I don't know. I was just. I don't know. Well, if I remember correctly, the the chances were pretty low that day. I I think it caught me a little off guard. I think it was thirty percent from the NWS. Yeah, but it wasn't. You know. Yeah, thirty forty ish. Yeah, so I wasn't I was caught off guard, I guess, as you could say. It it definitely caught me off guard as well. So So I busted out of there and started pouring. Mm-hmm. It was a disaster. Yeah. When I got home I was just covered in mud. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you gonna do? So as soon as I got home I went on Amazon and bought these bike basically wheel covers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good for you. It was like fifty dollars and they cover up your both your front and back tires. Yeah. So you don't get any spray. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can install those without any problems. Yeah. Fenders. Yeah. Fenders. Yeah, they're called yeah. fenders. That's yep. Right. Yeah, this this week was 
you know, ma- mainly isolated activity. I mean, you know, shop, you know, thunderstorm, see, thunderstorm here, thunderstorm there. Wasn't really widespread. So it was kind coverage. of in between systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a few short waves and just the southwesterly flow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at least yesterday was southwesterly that just coming through mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. even Pike Pikes Peaks area yep. coming through. Yeah. Yeah. From the southwest or south. So really, our dynamics was was mainly convective. We weren't we weren't seeing any sort of any sort of orographic lifting or up, you know, up, which is another way of saying upslope precipitation. Mm-hmm. So there was a cold front last night, right? Minor. Yesterday it was almost in the eight, almost uh, touched eighty degrees. That's true. That's true. And then today we barely we only got to about sixty eight. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And this, there's a little bit of low clouds well, early but, this morning. Yeah, but you have more cloud cover in the morning today. Yeah. So and the storm started earlier today mm-hmm. than the other days. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Monday was the only dry day this entire month so far. Right. So we got fourteen rainy days and one dry day. That's exactly right. Monday wow. was actually mm-hmm. nice. Sounds like we're in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this is Alabama weather, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Oregon weather. Yeah, Oregon. <laughs> well, I should add that Mobile, Alabama, gets more rainfall than any other significantly large city in the country at sixty-five inches. So, really? Yeah. Huh? Could you not? It beats Seattle. Beats Seattle by far. Wow. Mm-hmm. Seattle's yeah, it's kind of stratiform. Yeah, so they don't really get that much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of misleading that Seattle gets a lot of precipitation because of the fact that they do get the stratiform precip. I mean, they when they a, get it, it's it's consistent. It's consistent, and, but it's not a lot at a time. It's just the duration is a lot, and exactly. it's a lot of rainy days. Mm-hmm. Say like today is a rainy day, but it didn't rain a lot, a lot. Compared to say exactly. Mobile mm-hmm. or Miami or something like that, because a bit a big rainstorm in the southeast typically leads to multiple inches of rain yeah. over a short period of time. It's whereas really big drops, yes. really sudden, with you know thunderstorms, lightning, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I live on the coast for a while, so I know that. Yeah, which coast? The Pacific Coast. But anyway, we can talk about that later or next time. So, what do you guys? So, what do you guys have for the graduation event? So, graduation so, was was last uh, Saturday, and so it was downpouring pretty much since six a.m. or like whenever I was, you know, woke up. That was so, pretty unfortunate for Andy. Yeah. He so, was, uh, yeah, go for it. Just last podcast, he was really hopeful that it would be. <laughs> sunny cause it's a, and, you know, at least yeah not he raining, wanted, at least yeah he wanted to see the flat irons and his entire family all seven yeah. of them were in town <laughs> that's not Just, true yeah oh yeah all i guess well, five some them, yeah five or six of them were in yeah. town Brothers most of them were in town yeah well i i suppose it's fitting that it rained on a graduation day for meteorologists. <laughs> That's yeah, true. All, all the undergrads it, it, it didn't were, just rain, it poured. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, all the undergrads or even, you know, PhDs were enjoying it, though. Yeah. They seemed pretty happy. I mean, it's your graduation. Yeah, they accepted it. Yeah, guess you have to make the most of it. So we <laughs> actually got the most precipitation on that day. 
Yeah. One point six four inches. That's pretty. It's actually a, quite a lot because it's just. Yeah, Andy. Hope that it won't rain that day, but actually it rained the most that day. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Andy's listening to this, but yeah, sorry Andy. Yeah. You, bef- you, you busted it. <laughs> sorry, buddy. You jinxed it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And bef- but before the day was over, he did get his snow that he loves. Yep, so, that's, that's true. true. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Saturday evening when it changed over to snow. Yeah. It was yeah. 7 o'clock at night. You win some, you lose some, guys. Yeah. yeah, so pretty much everyone was wet on graduation. My roommate, Brian, graduated as well. He went to a graduation, he walked, and the and the whole ceremony lasted 15, 20 minutes. I watched it online at home and stayed dry. For just, it was pretty cool. For just the science or all of the entire school? For, for the, all the entire school. All the so, universities. Oh, nice. so the walk takes like... I mean, all the students takes like 15, 20 minutes to walk right. into the stadium, Folsom Field, mm-hmm. and then the whole ceremony took only 15, 20 minutes. The whole graduation speech is was like two, three minutes, just saying, hey, you all did well, go home, yeah. stay dry. <laughs> Basically, huh? you used up stay all your sunshine. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. so we, we were planning to go, support our friends and classmates. Yeah, and then Castellani right here, couldn't wake up. Anyway. Yeah, I mean that was dark outside. Though. That was, yeah, it was, it was really dark, coming down out there, downpouring. I'm like, oh, I'll wake up. I might even set an alarm. Yeah, nope. it was super dark. I slept yeah. right through it. You woke up and you felt like, oh my god, I'm in Miami right what now. Is it stormy? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's safe to say that the rain can be soothing for sleeping. Yeah, it really has been. I've been pretty rested the last couple weeks. Yeah, some people can't stand sleeping in in the rain or attempting to sleep in the rain other people it's well, just music to their sleep, ears how do yeah. you even sleep during you know sunshine out there though well at night oh okay fine right <laughs> nighttime rain that's the best well if i mean if you work at night i mean you have to sleep during the day so that's true you imagine how difficult that can be unless you have curtains yeah if it's rain outside it's darker and right more soothing so mm-hmm. yeah well, so yeah, hopefully you guys, when you guys graduate, it's not that bad. Ah, I won't care either. Who knows? Way. It'll be in May. It could be tornado season. Uh, maybe it'll be snowing. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of weather out here. I mean, it's so unpredictable year year after year after year. I mean, yeah. Regardless of the month. That's right. Everyone, That's true. Everyone I know in different parts of the country are always just amazed by how crazy mm-hmm. the weather is. Yeah. All my friends are like, wow, it was snowing last week. And yeah. It's 80 degrees now, and... Matter of fact, this next week will be the will be the one year anniversary of the tornado that moved through Denver, that mm. strong tornado that moved through southern Denver into Aurora. Mm-hmm. Is that the one that went over the Cherry Creek Mall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't that remember. was the one. I had a friend there. I believe it, in the bathrooms. I believe it was on <laughs> May twenty second or okay. May twenty third, one of those two days. But it it was around it was around that time that this area received some uncharacteristically stronger tornadoes. Yeah, they'd actually form pretty far to the west. Mm-hmm. Yeah, typically we see that well east of Denver, and that wasn't the case this time. So, <clears throat> how does tornado form? Can you explain a little bit? Say why why does tornado form in on the plains, but not say in Boulder usually? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Severe weather expert, Matt? Uh, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, so there's two, basically the way we get severe weather to start off with is we, we need a couple ingredients. We, yeah. A, we need, we need instability in the atmosphere. So basically, unstable, unstable air means that mm. air is, ri- is rising. Mm-hmm. And so if air is stable, that means the air is resisting vertical motion. It's mm-hmm. resisting rising so so Uh so that's one thing you need you need you need warm unstable air two you need wind shear so so wind shear is when the wind is when the wind speeds change direction with height and also change speeds with height okay yes and so though so those are the two main ingredients that you need and so the reason why this is East of Denver can be a hot spot for tornadoes is because you have these two things in place due in large part to the fact that you have two different air two different opposing air masses one mm-hmm. to the southeast and one to the north mm-hmm. to the southeast you have this warm moist and stable air and to the north you have this cooler drier stable air and when these air masses these air masses collapse clash mm-hmm. That's where that's when you can see some stronger wind shear and also some you know the, the clash of the stable air and the unstable the unstable air to the southeast and so when the, when these ingredients come together mm-hmm. some days you can you can have tornadic activity ro- these rotating supercell thunderstorms form and other days the ingredients just aren't perfectly right yeah but when they are right, that means these conditions are all there. Yeah, maybe next time we can have more mesoscale people. Well, do you have any other things to add, Ben? No, not really. Okay. It's just it's hard to get the kind of ingredients you need right over the mountains or near the mountains. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, so when you got the downslope flow kind of resisting things, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Boulder's a little bit protected. By the flow. I guess. I don't know. What else is there to protecting boulders specifically? That, that's storms. true because if you have upslope, then you just simply have, you know, like orographic lifting. It's not a lot of convective, uh, dry, uh, convective driven mm-hmm. uh, storms in general. So the, pro- so the problem with areas that are, that are close to the mountain is that it kind of cuts off on on the wind shear, yeah. so so where so that where you're over the Great Plains, you have you you have the atmosphere has access to stronger wind shear because the el- because the elevations are lower and so so where where your elevations out in the eastern plains are roughly about thirty five hundred feet above mm-hmm. sea level yeah. or in some respects higher than that, mm-hmm. near closer to the front range and the front and the front range itself and the flat irons where your elevation is well over a mile high and the flat irons themselves mm-hmm. where the elevation is 8000 some odd feet mm-hmm. you you have less wind shear That's to true, yeah. to help form these thunderstorms and so you so this so this these uh these storms that may initially form over the mountains and then come off the mountains 
they initially don't have that wind shear, but whenever they move over the eastern plains, that's when they can ta- start tapping into the stronger wind shear and can evolve mm-hmm. over time. And the mountains, are, become... the mountains are probably disrupting a lot of the convergence too, right? The low levels. Yeah, right. because the terrain is too complex. To maintain everything. Yeah. Right. It's just di- disrupting the wind shear, as Matt says, too chaotic or too too turbulent in general. Did you guys see that tornado tornado that formed in Mount Evans, like in twenty twelve? I think. And you know that's that's super rare. Yeah. I mean, last year you had a tornado form in Fairplay, and that's ten thousand feet in elevation. So certainly you can have them, but yeah, the Mount Evans one was almost. I think it was questionably yeah. um, maybe the highest tornado ever recorded almost. How high was that? Do you know? It was around 12,500 feet, I think. Right. It was right near that lake. I forget the name of the lake. Right below Mount Evans. Summit Lake, maybe. Something okay. like that. But yeah, there were lots of pictures of it. It's one of those one percenters. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, so you don't get that very often. Oh, no, not at all. Anywhere near the mountains, really. Right. And so that probably explains why some of the stronger tornadoes in the state of Colorado have been east of Denver. Okay. Not necessarily in the... Yeah. Near the front range. Cool. Exactly. So that's why we're happy here in Boulder that, you know, we're pretty protected. Sheltered. There's a really small chance of getting, you know, large hail. You just don't have the... Yeah. Yeah, you know, at least not at least not that kind of severe weather. Yeah, Certainly, yeah. the floods of 2013 reminded yeah. us that some forms of severe weather we can still get. And the wildfires of 2012, right? And the windstorms of 2011. So we had a lot. Exactly. We can have different kinds of severe weather here mm-hmm. that Denver's not necessarily susceptible to. All right. So, so yeah. that was so that was talking about what's happened over the last week and mm-hmm. so now what's going what's going on this next week. So we're sitting here on May 15th, so what's going to happen um, starting on moving forward here? Well, looks like we're going to be pretty rainy tomorrow. We have we have another system moving over Colorado, mainly focused in, uh, in northern Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, even Nebraska and South Dakota, whereas we're... We're going to be surrounded over by the an upper level feature, and that should bring us some uh, some showery activity. Granted, I I do think it's going to be widespread in this case tomorrow. Tomorrow on Saturday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Saturday will be pretty bad. Okay, so we have the trough approaching tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes, another big trough digging through the west. Yep. So, what does the trough do in general? Do you guys want to explain that? Yeah, tell us. Me? Yeah. No. What's, what's a trough bring to the table? Okay, so a trough is just like um, a dip of a wave. Like a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a dip of the wave. I don't right. know how... A dip like, in the jet stream, in this case, right? Not necessarily, though. Could be well, not necessarily a jet stream. Doesn't jet have stream to be. Is, yeah, it doesn't need to be a jet stream. That's another uh, concept. Mm-hmm. But like a dip in the, in the upper level, say 500 or... 300 millibars which is higher up in the atmosphere um so in general in on the east side of the trough which we have 
in Colorado at least, or in the northern North America in, in general, mm-hmm. that will have southwesterly flow, which is the wind coming from southwesterly, mm-hmm. that will bring moist air or unstable air from the south mm-hmm. into the area of interest. So that's one component of a trough. It yes. brings it provides the moisture. Yes, moist air mass. So another thing is to bring rotation or vorticity, right. as meteorologists would say, that bring positive or cyclonic vorticity to the area of interest to bring uh, yep. storms. Right. Yep. Which is a uh, counterclockwise rotating winds. Okay. And one more component, though. What causes the uplift? What uplift? You mean like upper, surface uplift? Yeah, or? well, the rising motion. So the upper level divergence, right? Yeah, but... So associated with the trough east of the yes, trough. Yes, exactly, yeah. So, so when the trough approaches us, we're in a pretty favorable region for getting that upper level divergence. Yeah, that, that also uh, is associated with jet stream, which is a really fast moving air, stream of air, that would also bring upper level divergence right. if you had the right region of the jet stream but we'll talk about it more next time but in general when you hear a trough that it would be more likely that we will have unstable air or unstable atmosphere or weather Mm -hmm. which would happen next week or so right which could be associated with an upper level low yeah which is the center of the trough and so pertaining to the weather going on tomorrow the Great, the Great Plains region is going to be in this region of upper-level divergence. So they're, they're going to be seeing a lot of moist, unstable air you know, rising very, very rapidly, so they should see significant thunderstorm activity over that, area, over that area, whereas here in the Front Range, I, I, I think we're not in that area of upper-level divergence. Therefore, I think we're... Mm-hmm going to be protected and we'll we'll be well west of that region so we yeah it's a little bit further out near wyman yeah places like that do we have the necessary components for severe weather tomorrow here i would say no well definitely not here but out out to the east yeah i would i would say all all severe weather will be a big will be a big threat tomorrow even tornadoes okay the storm prediction center has a has an enhanced risk of severe weather from oh. from northern Texas all the way up to South Dakota tomorrow. Okay, very cool. So this so will be um, under the effect of the upper level trough, which is east of the trough, or even the upper F, uh, upper air low over uh, northeast Colorado mm-hmm. for the next few days, which would bring us unstable rainy weather along with the southerly flow which is having bring moisture from the south to boulder area mm-hmm. next week right or yeah. early next week so we got that system moving through on saturday mm-hmm. yeah and then by sunday the trough is pretty much to our east right but i guess another question we need to ask is what kind of snowfall might the mountains receive from this event i think it's safe to say that mm-hmm. along in the in the eastern plains and along the front range here in boulder denver i think we're probably safe from snowfall but the question is will the mountains receive any i'll say it's pretty likely because the temperature is 
the setup in general is pretty um, favorable for snowfall up in the mountains or near the divide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some see how much though. I don't really see too much snowfall at least in Boulder County. How much and how high? Yeah, is the question. It's pretty unpredictable. It is. So we were thinking right around nine thousand feet, right? I would say that's a safe bet. Anything above nine thousand feet might will likely receive snowfall. Yeah, maybe locally higher, but I I would say on average about two inches. Probably not in Boulder. No, not at all. So the real winners for snow will be the western part of the state that's getting uh, the favorable upslope and the southwesterly flow. Mm -hmm. True. True. Moist, so they have a lot of winter storm warnings in the San Juans and places right near Aspen. Yep. But nothing really for our region necessarily. No. Maybe outside of a couple inches on maybe peak to peak. I think the front. I think the front range is safe from snow in this case. So mm. how about early next week? How about Monday? So what do we say about Monday? We had a small upper level ridge moving across the state. That small day. upper level ridge. It's cer- It's certainly weak, but it's it's still there. So but in the, usually in this case. The, when when we have a feature like that, it, it means that we we do have a, a trough t- to the west of that. And in this case, we certainly do. And because and because of that, there there is still that chance for some pop up showers and thunderstorms. So yeah. so a ridge is the opposite of a trough, which would bring more stable air to the area. However, ordinarily, right. Yeah. However, the tilting of the tr- uh, of the ridge yeah. is is from the northwest to the southeast, which would bring us uh, southerly flow from mm-hmm. the yeah from the south as well, which is just adding to our moisture. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's hard to even call that a ridge. I mean, it's just an area between two troughs. I mean, it it is a ridge according to the models. It's a ridge, but in general, but still in- we still have to good setup for more rainy weather right mm-hmm. in early early next week but if there is a dry day it looks like monday will be the driest at the right? yes. yeah. <clears throat> yeah the driest yeah. Well, most probable <clears throat> to be a not so rainy day granted we're you know monday is still a couple days out so obviously things can change even in that period of time yeah so the GFS, one of the models we look at in the Canadian, look pretty similar, having that feature for Monday. Mm-hmm. So if you got plans, Monday would be your best day. Probably so, but again, this week. It's still going to be ugly. Yeah. Probably cloudy, not very much sunshine. Yep. In and out, maybe. So how about Memorial Day, which in town we have the big race, Boulder Boulder. So Matt, you're running, right? I am running. Yeah. Yes. It- Andy's not running. And are you running, Jesse? I'm running. You guys are both running. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. We might have to... Uh, are you first-timers? I am a first-timer. I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> not, you, not really. Did or you guys, are you a sophomore? <laughs> did you guys take a look at the model, models for that day? I 11 think days little, out? I think it's a little bit too early for that, but we probably can do it next week in, a, in our next episode of BoulderCast. Yeah, we should probably cover that next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Looking because ahead, though, I don't want to yeah, run too... in rain. Yeah, I think 
I don't know what the weather was last year either. Were you in there last year? La- yeah, last year was pretty warm actually. I wanted to run under the shades. Ooh. Yes. Last year was one of those years. Last year was I think around eighties, eighty degree Ooh. weather. Yeah. Last year was fairly warm. It's not even in probably even at we'll like see nine, that this 10 year, PM. But yeah. yeah, it seems unlikely this year, but you never know. I mean, Memorial Day is still over a week away. Yeah. So how long do you think this pattern will stick around that we're in right now? You mean the current pattern? Yeah, just trough. So they just keep. Shooting. It's just trough after trough, uh, right now. So, I mean, it's it is it is the it is the summer. I mean, the California area would have like a low pressure there, right? That yeah, just eventually. In, yes. I mean, this the synoptic pattern that we would usually see that will have a low kind of loop around. Us, yeah, or the 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 Nevada, right? Utah mountains. It's too early for that, though. True, but it's building up. I'm just saying. It's just this is more. We can talk about this again later. Yeah, to talk about how how climate or synoptic weather pattern affects our day to day weather, right. or or in and general how, how we how we forecast around that. Right. How external features affect our synoptic patterns. Yeah. But it looks like, yeah, pretty unstable so far. Yeah, so as, as far as I would trust the models, to the end of next week, it looks pretty pretty active pattern. No real days you could rule out any moisture. Of course, the rule, the, the rule that you have in, in forecasting is... It's really hard to trust the forecast even beyond three days into the future. So, yeah, to to really get an accurate forecast for even Memorial Day is nearly That's impossible too, at this yeah. point. Yeah, I still trust the models out the seven days for general patterns, not positions of things, but very true. <clears throat> where the different, mm-hmm. where exactly who's going to see the, the rain and where the drop's going to be, you know, that's too far out. But right, okay. pattern looks active. So okay. that's pretty much what we expect next week. Continued rain. Yeah. Below normal temperatures. And another and a week of Oregon. Yeah. And Colorado. And a week of Oregon. <laughs> See how many rainy days we can get this month. Yeah. See if we can finish it off with the mm-hmm. perfect fifteen. That's or right. Sixteen. <laughs> oh, like fifteen consecutive rainy days. Yeah. Well, we got fourteen out of fifteen so far this month. So. Okay. See if we can get. The rest 15 of them. straight? Oh, okay. And <laughs> 15? Okay. Yeah, it'd be. Well, spe- speaking of records, back in 1969, from May 4th to May 7th, I want to say, Boulder, Colorado received mm-hmm. 86 straight hours of measurable precipitation. 1969. Wow. 1969. How old were you? I was not. Around at that time, but <laughs> okay. I, so last year I volunteered for the National Weather Service in Boulder. Oh yeah, and, that's right. You. And I uh, I analyzed that that case study event mm-hmm. and basically pulled up data from the National Climatic Data Center or NCDC for short and found mm-hmm. that statistic. So and I that, that was pretty interesting. I mean, no no hour. Measured more than 0.69 inches of precip, and most of the hours measured less than a tenth of an inch. Yeah. But still, 
when you add that much rain, when you add that much precipitation hour by hour, it adds up. Was that the rainiest May? Yeah, it's got to be close. I don't recall, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's over seven radius. inches. You said it, it was. I think in the end, eight inches, inches and some yeah. and locally higher in some other. It's places. probably close. There's yeah. not many months that get that much rain here. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot. In our history, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, we got some additional topics to discuss here at the end. Woo! And to wrap things up. Heck yeah. They could be extensive, so let's see. <laughs> so, did you guys see the um, different agencies starting to discuss the El Nino outlook? Yeah. Getting into next winter? Yeah. And through the summer? So, what's El Nino? El Nino is a phenomenon in the, uh, in the, that occurs in the equatorial Pacific. Basically, it's, it's actually called ENSO. So, ENSO is short for the El Nino Southern Oscillation, and it has two phases. It has a warm phase, and it has a cold phase. The warm phase is called El Nino, and the cold phase is called La Nina. Now, mm-hmm. we won't get into the, into the specifics of both, because that would that would take hours but but basically let's to to keep to keep it simple in in this case el nino is a phenomenon where in the in the eastern pacific ocean off the coast of south america central Mm -hmm. america and uh and north america the sea surface temperatures are anomalously warm Mm -hmm. during an el nino pattern yep and so during this time, it causes the weather pattern over the United States and the Pacific Ocean and even the tropical Atlantic to be different from what we would usually expect. Mm-hmm. And, so in this, and so in this year, we are expecting an, a moderate El Nino to occur. Yeah. Okay, so... so- to sum up, El Nino is just really warm water yeah. along the west coast of the North, Central, and South America. That sounds really awesome, doesn't it? You know, the Pacific Ocean is over there is generally well, cold, is, so that, warm water would be great, right? It's but, actually not good for the uh, yeah. fishery along the coast. Right. But mm-hmm. so, how does El Nino affect Colorado or Boulder in general? Well, historically speaking... It's ge- it's generally brought us some more pre- more precipitation on average, but usually what we've seen is areas of low areas of low pressure take more of a southerly trajectory over yeah. the southwestern United States, and what mm-hmm. and what that generally does is it brings Colorado it brings Colorado more moisture, especially along the Front Range. Than in a non-El Nino year. So yeah, the storm track shifts a little further south. Mm-hmm. Yes. And El Nino has its biggest impacts in the winter, right? Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. northern hemisphere winter. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct. I mean, we've seen nine out of the ten snowiest winter storms that we've ever received in Boulder were due to El Nino events. And many of those were due to the southerly trajectory lows mm-hmm. that track across the southwestern United States, and some, sometimes they're as far as far south as 
New Mexico, mm-hmm. bringing upslope flow into the Front Range. Other times they're in southern Colorado. But, but normally these lows are going to take a fairly southerly trajectory. Yeah, and that's what we need. So that's... That's bringing mo- that's bringing moisture into the front range, and that and that moisture is also and that and that air mass is also bringing is experiencing upslope flow, and so with those ingredients gives us very significant snowfall. So you, so you guys have heard probably people in Colorado say, "Oh, it's El Nino. There's going to be lots of snow this year, right? We should, it's going to be a good skiing year, <laughs> right?" That's not so. That's kind of a misconception, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that there's these bigger snow events, mm-hmm. but uh, when you look at the data and the actual amount of snowfall in El Nino years, winter seasons is no is no not significantly larger than normal years. Right. So, but you do have these bigger events going on. Mm-hmm. So you know you think it's going to be an El Nino, it's going to be good for snow, but it's not necessarily true. So in general, just a snow season is more impulsive. You have yeah, exactly. worse weather and maybe sometimes more clear weather That's kind of compared the, to normal year. That's what Just the data shows stable. Okay. for Boulder County. How about windstorm, Matt? It, appear, it appears in, years, in El Nino years that we actually experience fewer Chinook events. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, so La Ninas are really known for the windstorms. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys remember 2011? In 2012, right, were both El Nino or La Nina years. Right. I wasn't here, but okay. Yeah, you weren't yeah. here. <laughs> you guys didn't exist. You guys were here. I did not exist. Well, yeah. I do recall last year. Last year was we, also we yeah. also we received a bunch of Chinook events, and the the main flow was out of the northwest. So I, I would tend to couple couple those two ingredients together. Okay. So if I were so if I were to guess, La Nina is is would tend to bring that kind of flow pattern to our area as well. Is that would that be correct then? Yep, that's totally true. Okay. Yep, the La Nina is a uh, kind of a ridge over the <laughs> western part of the U.S. Okay. And we could we kind of get the northwesterly downslope part of that. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the coming winter that you know climatologists are thinking about El so, Nino. So, how about uh, the coming summer? What's the tropical weather? So, like, Matt? So, Colorado State, they come out with a study every single year and a tropical forecast on how many tropical storms or tropical cyclones, whatever you want to call them, how many of these systems are going to develop in the tropical Atlantic. And so, for this hurricane season... They're expecting 10 named storms to occur in the tropical Atlantic. Now, when, mm-hmm. when I say tropical Atlantic, I mean the Gulf of Mexico, Caribbean Sea, okay. the northern Atlantic Ocean. So 10 mm-hmm. named storms. Now, among those 10 named storms, they expect three of them to be hurricanes and one of those hurricanes to be a major hurricane. Now, Grant, this is just this is just a forecast so obviously it's tough to really predict these things but one of the reasons and so they they basically forecast on the low end relative to an average hurricane season mm-hmm. which we which we usually get about 14 or 15 mm-hmm. storms yes. and the reason why true. they're predicting on the low end is because of el nino mm-hmm. so typically what el nino does 
is it provides a lot of wind shear over the Gulf of Mexico, Caribbean Sea, and the Northern Atlantic Ocean. And, and the reason why is because of the fact that the jet stream becomes extremely strong during El Nino seasons over the southern United States and that jet stream. And so the subtropical jet is very impactful over these tropicals, these tropical cyclones or these potential tropical waves that could become tropical yeah. cyclones. So but shearing you, them, right? So are you saying that the... By saying the jets are stronger, you're saying the amplitudes of the jets are stronger. The am- Am I right? So, the, yes, the, the amplitude is stronger, the the wind, the actual maximum wind speed, the, the jet max, the winds, the maximum wind speeds in the jet stream is stronger. And so okay. the, and so these two ingredients may so, have a significant impact on these tropical cyclones because tropical cyclones, as, as opposed to mid latitude cyclones mm-hmm. that, for, that, that flourish over land typically, mm-hmm. well, tropical cyclones flourish by vertically by yeah. vertical development. Yeah, they need to be vertically stacked. Exactly. And and so if it's not vertically stacked, then it's not going to flourish and that's what wind shear does. It makes it not vertically stacked. Yep. And so it'll best in the calm areas. Correct. So in 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 other words, wind shear would kill the storm before it develops. That's correct. So now, we, yeah. Now if a hurricane is, is strong enough, there are times whenever even somewhat strong wind shear can isn't even good enough to weaken a hurricane but those are only on rare occasions so these are the kind of things that go into the forecasts oh yeah absolutely yes are these are these dynamical forecasts or statistical forecasts or a combination it's a combination so they're looking at past Mm -hmm. years and what's happened in previous el ninos things like that Mm -hmm. they're also running some type of model forward through the year Right. Seeing how many hurricanes they generate out. Right. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I uh, I went to the well, not that I went to, <clears throat> I uh, I attended a webinar by Ancar. A webinar. Earlier, yeah, a okay. webinar. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Ancar earlier this week, talking about uh, tropical cyclone. Cyclone Genesis, actually, tropical cyclone Genesis. Mm-hmm. It says that actually you need a little bit wind shear to start off to tropical storm you don't want a lot of it when it's developing but when it start you need heating from uh from below because you you want warm surface or warm air near the sea surface yep. to get it started to get convection or rising air started but you also want a little bit of wind shear as well hmm. yeah i think i think that's uh that's underdeveloped. Uh, the the theory is underdeveloped, but in okay. general, that's what so they it's found. new knowledge. They, yeah, kind of so experimental that's really stuff. interesting. Yeah. You don't want a lot hmm. in the in the mature or development state, but you right. want some. You want non-trivial, okay? Wind shear actually, mm-hmm. but anyway. Well, so, we we actually did have a uh, a tropical storm make landfall over the Carolinas last week. Yep, so we were tracking that on BoulderCast. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. presuming it would form about six days before it formed, the models were showing it, right? <laughs> and it was like, what are they showing? This is too early for that. Yeah. 
So what happened with that? So, so it formed as a uh, as a subtropical cyclone, and so a sub a subtropical cyclone is a tropical cyclone that does not show the full tropical characteristics, which basically means that the that the that the uh, storm in the, in its vertical extent is not warm. Yep. Whereas in a regular thunderstorm that that's that's tilted mm-hmm. with, as opposed to a vertically stacked tropical cyclone it is cold a lot has cold air aloft and warm air at the surface while a tropical cyclone is warm throughout. Yeah. So, so it did so initially a subtropical cyclone the, this storm did not have mm-hmm. that warm core aloft, but it, but eventually it did form that warm core aloft, and so National Hurricane Center changed the subtropical storm to a tropical storm two days after it was initially called a subtropical storm. So that transition is yeah. something that you don't always see, but it's... It's interesting to see a storm go from subtropical to tropical, right? Because it's usually the other way around. Yes. Usually starts out mm-hmm. as a tropical and then storm and then moves north, north yeah. and gets start getting mid-latitude characteristics. Correct. Especially mm-hmm. once it gets <clears throat> cheered out. Right. And tilted. Yeah. But it start, it basically just started off as a as an in, as a inverted trough in over uh, the Caribbean and in, in the Bahamas and Florida and then it moved and then it drifted northward. Started gaining some, uh, some some rotation, some rotation, and and formed as a subtropical cyclone a couple days later, and moved over some warmer waters, and was eventually deemed a tropical storm before That's it moved over cool. land. So it was pretty interesting. It's not something you see very often. Even I mean, you you can go full hurricane seasons without seeing a phenomenon like that. So it's very okay. very interesting. Nope. And and, so, and something else to note: the hurricane season actually starts on June first, mm-hmm. and this storm formed on May seventh. So it can happen where these storms occur before the hurricane season starts and after the hurricane season ends. So the storm forms before the season started. That's like going to a concert before <laughs> tickets on sale. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. actually pretty crazy. Nobody expects it. Yeah, no, no one expects. Right. You went to Red mm-hmm. Ross. Hey, concert's over. See you next year. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. So you talked about the Atlantic season, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about the Pacific outlook? Because those storms actually have a chance of impacting Colorado in some sense. Occasionally, they can get absorbed into the monsoon flow, right? In the right. ones. Well, as a matter of fact, and the remnants can be evicted over Colorado. Right. As a matter of fact, the the 2013 Boulder yep. flood. There was there was a hurricane over just south of Mexico, and there was a tropical storm in the Bay of Campeche, both at the same time. And both of those systems mm-hmm. were funneling moisture into the Front Range of Colorado while the flood was going on. Yep, so, they, so were, they played a small part in that as well. Huh? So maybe not necessarily the remnants of the storm that were affecting us, but the moisture coming from the storm yeah. was affecting us. And I think at least... A couple of times last year, the remnants, mm-hmm. the very late remnants, and it wasn't even close to being named a storm or anything, but it was right. moved over the area. You yes. get a really big pulse of moisture with those. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, many times we can get tropical moisture from the south associated with the remnants of tropical cyclones or, or even tropical waves, and they move into the Colorado Front Range and bring us ample moisture. So, so yeah, so El Nino has a, kind of a negative effect on the Atlantic hurricane season? Yes. But what about the Pacific? So it would be warmer water over there, right? Would that be more favorable? Warmer water... Um, some, sometimes it means more favorable, other, other times it doesn't. I mean, I mean, again, you have, you have to look at where the jet stream is exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I would say statistically in the past, it's led to more active hurricane seasons. Okay. Mm -hmm. So did, did you see anything about the Pacific's, um, outlook? Nothing from that? As of now... Didn't worry about that yet? Nah, nah. As of now, nothing's pending in the... As of now, no. It's a little bit early. Yeah. All right. But we'll definitely keep our eye on it, and and, uh, hopefully all of you will stay tuned for our our next podcast, and we'll have updates on that. Woo! Yeah, hopefully we got some interesting stuff to talk about next time. Before we head out, I'd just like to remind everybody that the BoulderCast podcast is a product of BoulderCast.com. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you can't find us there, head to our website and go to the header and click Podcasts. You can also follow our blog posts by going to BoulderCast.com and typing in your email address in the widget on the right-hand side. Or you can follow us on Twitter at BoulderCast. I guess that's it for this podcast. You guys have anything else to talk about well thanks for introducing me uh yeah look forward we're to glad to have this. you matt yeah hopefully come back and join us sometime yeah. again oh you will uh, i'll definitely be back i'm looking forward yeah. to the next what time. else you got to do on friday nights right <laughs> <laughs> we need some uh, south in there yeah, yeah, podcast it's... yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got the southern space that's yeah. true that's right <laughs> all right well everyone take care it's been here signing off this is Joseph. Have a good weekend. Yeah, take care. Until next time.